This is the Opening Market Podcast on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. I'm Mark Magnuson. Joined today by Eric Relf of Comstock for our opening discussion. Eric, what are we seeing taking place on the grains? Uh, kind of a sleeper today after what uh, I guess by recent comparisons was an exciting day yesterday. Soybeans have hurtled some significant resistance and hopefully can hold on to that strength. Corn just can't get going. We remain range bound, can't get into the $5.00. Uh, can't get a close above $5. We've hit $4.99 three different times uh, and just can't sustain anything from there. The global wheat story is developing pretty interestingly. You've got problems in China. You've got problems in Argentina, Australia, the EU. Paris milling wheat made a multi-month high yesterday. That gave us some strength. If we can keep the wheat from being an anchor to the corn, then I think maybe we've got a chance of getting something going here. So, But right now today, you've got corn in the break down three quarters of a penny, beans up a penny and a half, and wheat down two to four. So kind of quiet, but hopefully we've made some moves here. Eric, yesterday, I think one of the big stories was everyone keeping an eye on that soybean meal number that was really climbing. What was your takeaway for maybe why we saw that number jump so much? yesterday? Well, we have been seeing some, uh, from a fundamental standpoint, we've been seeing some significant sales of meal, which is kind of unusual, uh, especially this time of year. And so it it is, I guess, when you look at the global picture, it's a little easier to explain when you have Argentina as the world's number one exporter of soybean meal. If they don't have the meal uh, or have logistical issues or whatever the trouble may be. In this case, I just think that they didn't have the beans to facilitate the crush to produce the meal. Therefore, they don't have the meal to export. And what they did have was of lower quality because the beans were of lower quality because of the drought issues they've had for three years now. And here we are in another situation where they're coming into their growing season having a lot of trouble with continued drought. They are getting some spotty rains, but it's in uh, very isolated areas, nothing broad sweeping across the country that's going to really help the crop overall. So these major buyers have to look for other sources, and, and we've been reaping the benefit of that. And so the futures have no choice but to follow what's going on in the global cash market. So you're making these multi-month highs and clearing significant resistance chart-wise, which always entices technical traders to get on board as well. I would warn, though, that we are technically very overbought in the meal right now, especially on a shorter-term basis, and could see a pretty significant retracement lower uh, just to kind of kind of reload and get ready for another move if that's on the table. And Eric, it's not just Argentina that's dry right now. Brazil also experiencing quite a bit of dryness as well, isn't it? Yeah, especially when you talk about uh, broad regions of the Mato Grosso. Uh, southern states have just been inundated with rain uh, to the point where that could be a problem as well. So far it has not been, but they're slated for something like two to six inches over the next handful of days in addition to the rains that they've already been getting just week after week. So you have this very stark difference, and it's kind of odd because Mato Grosso is primarily dry. The southern states, you know, Mato Grosso do Sol, Paraná, some of those states are really wet, but it's a band that moves east to west in a very narrow north to south range. And by the time you get to the other than the northern, you know, tent of Argentina, once you get south of that, then you're dry again. Uh, so the, the areas that really count the most aren't getting that rain and Brazilians are different. You know, their soil type is different. They will wait for the rain. And if it's not very highly forecasted that they're going to get moisture, they won't plant. If they haven't gotten any moisture, they won't plant. And so as you delay the soybean planting, then it, it turns into a snowball effect as you move into springtime 
when the soybeans would be coming out and the safrina corn would be going in, uh, that just doesn't happen if they're late enough. So this is something that could develop into a major story for all row crops when we talk about soybeans and corn as time rolls on. But of course, that's all going to be dependent on Mother Nature moving forward. Eric, on the other side of the ag marketplace, what are we seeing with the livestock marketplace? So livestock has been, well, I guess let me narrow that down a little bit. Cattle have been very quiet. Um, we see some up days, we see some down days. We haven't taken out support in some significant feeder cattle contracts. We also have uh, not taken out nearby support in primary live cattle contracts. But the cash trade on live cattle has been stagnant since the first week of June. And as a result, you've got a market that's fairly stagnant. Although you're seeing some significant moves uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, you're just not seeing the trending moves that we were seeing uh, for the better part of a year leading up to this sideways trade. So what do we look for now? Uh, cattle on feed comes out on Friday. Placement estimates are ranging in like a 9% range from, uh, and I'm ballparking here, but 4 plus percent lower to 4 plus percent higher on placements. And we, that wider range is just highly unusual. Normally you would see that in a 2% range. Um, so there is potential for surprise on Friday, be it bullish or bearish. Um, but I think if if the cattle do take out this nearby support, then we could have some bigger problems on our hands. With the hog market, are we still just looking at kind of a up and down movement as we are still kind of in a tough spot right now with hogs? Yeah, definitely tough spot. You know, a couple months ago, we talked about how much better off we were than spring, and here we are lower than spring prices. Now, on the cash market, that is not the case. But when we look at nearby December hog futures, we are, oh, 5 to $6 below cash. Uh, that is your spot month trade. So something's got to give there, whether the futures are going to come higher or the cash is going to come lower. And I think for everybody in the hog industry's sake, we really hope the futures are going to come higher and not the other way around. There is still major potential when you get to the April contract and beyond for some upward mobility that will be dictated by the supply numbers that we see going into the first of the year and through that first quarter. Uh, but this the supply glut that we are seeing in these full barns is expected to taper off as we near year's end and then remain constrained as we go through the first quarter of next year. So there is still hope on the horizon, but right now we just can't argue with the numbers that are out there. In your conversations with producers and those in the hog industry, are they just feeling frustration right now with kind of some of those uncertain questions that they have about the future of the hog industry and where it's headed? Oh, absolutely. To the point where they're frustrated when a load of hogs show up. You know, it's it's I, I hate to laugh about it, but man, they are they are just to the point where they don't even want to look at them. And and from a future standpoint, they're to the point where they also don't want to trade them, um, which makes an interesting dynamic. So you have managed money funds that are largely net long the hog market. You have producers that are unwilling to step into the market because of their physical position and some of the risk associated there. Uh, I think LRP has given them a vehicle uh, to protect their investment a little bit at a lower risk. Uh, they know that they may be throwing the money out the window, but at least they've set a floor. Same can be true of put options. We've been doing a lot of just straight put options, whereas typically hog producers are more interested in trading futures because they get the penny for penny movement. But now they're more interested in spending as little money possible, establish a floor just so they don't lose the farm and hope that things get better in the months to come. 
Eric Ralph of Comstock, our guest here today. Eric, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch for more marketing information? Uh, you can check us out on all the social media platforms. You can also look at the Comstock channel on YouTube. Uh, you can visit our website at Comstock.com, or you can give us a call at 712-227-1110. A lot of great information as always, Eric. Thank you for the time here today. Have a great day. We'll speak again soon. You too, Mark. Thank you. That was Eric Ralph with Comstock. It's time now for a check of the numbers. December corn up three even at 495 even. November soybeans up one and three quarters at 1312 and a half. January soybean meal up $1.70 at 408 even. January soybean oil down 44 cents at 5364. Chicago wheat up two and three quarters at 610 and three quarters. Minneapolis wheat up a half cent at 734 even. Kansas City hard red wheat up one and a half at 672 even. March oats down four even at 390 and a quarter. On the Merck, December live cattle down 75 cents at 186.45. November feeder cattle down $1.70 at 24802. December lean hogs up 72 cents at 68.75. Class 3 milk up 15 cents at 18.69. This has been a check of the opening markets on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. <laughs>